A former superhero becomes a washed-up has-been and tries to move on in this week's episode of Panelism. Welcome to Panelism, the show about the comics and graphic novels worth having on your shelf. I'm Taylor Trask. I'm Todd A. And Todd, we're back again. Face yeah. to face. Well, not face to face. You have the mic, mic to mic. Mic to mic. Yeah. Just a couple of silver spoons. <laughs> we're back. I'm oh, sure. Wow. I, yeah. It's a yeah. flashback. Yeah. Which, which like, no one's going to remember. I mean, that's a deep, that's a deep poll if there ever was one. Yeah. It's, uh, it's one of those show your age references for sure. That's back um, when Carl. So, if anybody's really truly interested, there's a show in the '80s called Silver Spoons, starring Ricky Schroeder, but also Carlton from Fresh Prince of Bel Air when he was like ten. And it's um, you know, I didn't even think about Carlton being in that because all I remember, and this is another uh, date uh, reference that will date me, is Aaron Gray, who was also in Buck Rogers. Oh, <laughs> wow! I did, and, I did and not is know this. Always at Comic Con, and I'm always like, wow, it's Aaron Gray from Buck Rogers. Now, is that one of those things where just because he keeps showing up, he sort of perpetuates his own myth now so that more people know him from that as that guy from Comic-Con and not, oh, you were in the show that I once liked or or watched. She. She, sorry. (laughs) Um, I, I, yeah. Wait, is this Battlestar Galactica? For some reason. No, no, no. Buck Buck Rogers. Rogers. Jesus. Right? Am I right? Buck Rogers? Yeah. I had Um, Battlestar Galactica in my mind. For some weird, but anyway, the question still holds. Todd, is this a is this something? Because there are there's a sort of cast of of actors who do make the the convention circuit, yes. and at some point, I would imagine a lot of the audience, as as new younger folks, kind of get into the to all this that they're like, I don't know your work, but I know you from being at this convention, you know, five, six, seven years in a row or whatever it is. Right. I don't know that anyone would. Yeah, I think it's sort of like if you. <laughs> It's one of those things too, where you think like, man, if I haven't gotten my Buck Rogers autographs by now, <laughs> ooh, time to move on that. Like that was in, uh, oh man, when was, I mean, that was that even eighties or seventies, 79 to 81. Yeah. Wow. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, back when she was 29 to 31 and no offense, um, like I'm sure a lot of people love that. I'm just, I'm just suggesting that there's a good chunk of people who have never seen that, but they see the people, they see the usual suspects, like the actress who plays right. uh, the original Ohura from Star Trek. Um, you know, she is, she was in some stuff earlier in the, the aughts, but I don't know as much now. So it's like, you know, you, I would imagine like a lot of people going to see these kind of older actors from these shows that they never knew. And it's interesting that autograph lines still exist because I would imagine the selfie line would be more and people are taking yeah, selfies too but I, I think it's all the same you know kind of thing mm. now it's mm-hmm. um i wonder uh yeah but nichelle nichols is who you're thinking of and she definitely yeah. makes appearances at comic-con as well a lot um, of them a lot lou ferrigno canceled this year i wonder why <laughs> well i think he's in la and he's sometimes just like you know they have him at a table and then he, sometimes he's like nah i'm not gonna bother yeah <laughs> Interesting. Then, yeah. you know, it's the last time we saw him in uh, in a major comics movie was his cameo in the Ed Norton Hulk, correct? 
Um, it's not even the Ed Norton Hulk. He his cameo is in the Ang Lee Hulk, where he and Stan Lee are security guards who uh, work where Eric Bana works. I thought that was. Oh, interesting. I thought that was the uh, Ed Norton. I thought he had another cameo. In the uh, he, he may have. Sorry. Yeah, I should have clarified. <clears throat> that I haven't I didn't seen know, the Ed Norton Hulk in so long. And partially because, uh, I mean, once you get to Ruffalo, you're just like, well, this this is what it should have been the whole time. And so you kind of like, it's, it's kind of tough. I mean, Jesus, who's going back to watch that Eric Bana one first? Let's, I mean, if you are fine, but ugh. And then the uh, Ed Norton one is actually okay. They, you know, they they bring forward a lot of those elements. Ed Norton would have been in Avengers if he hadn't been difficult to to deal with. But I just, I mean, Ruffalo was kind of, I mean, Ruffalo yeah. nailed it. Ruffalo uh, nailed the character. Like he was the, he was like Bill Bixby. Like my entrance into the Hulk was the TV show going back to Lou Ferrigno. Like that, that yeah. I freaking loved that show grandpa as a kid, mainly because Bill Bixby played um, not Bruce Banner. What is it? Is it Eric David? Banner? David Banner, yeah. Um, which I always wondered about why that that why that happened. It's a different, but, a different Hulk, not canon. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean that's fine. But like, I just I love that sort of uh, Jekyll and Hyde way of looking at it, where it's like you know he he doesn't treat it like a disease. He treats it like there's this other this other guy, you know. Like and right away in the first Avengers, like that's how Ruffalo framed. It. He's like you know the other guy is coming at some point. And you're like, ooh, this is much more Jekyll and Hyde. This isn't like yeah, he's. He's he you know his life is upended by this condition, but he uh, you know the Ed Norton version was like I have this disease and I have to monitor my body and make sure that this disease doesn't flare back up again, um, and I just that never that's uh, not that doesn't that's never worked for me. And yeah. again, the Eric Bana one we just will just forget about entirely. Well, I you know I would argue Eric Bana is a good Bruce Banner in a bad Hulk movie, maybe. He's too good looking. He's too good looking. He's too well built. Like you watch him in that movie and you're just like, man, you could just be Captain America just now. Like why even bother making you the Hulk? Like, why is this happening? That was a thing that like uh, Bill Bixby had that nobody else had, which was like, he looked like a scientist nerd. Yeah. You know, like he looked like Bruce Banner was supposed to look. I got really cool news on uh, Lou Ferrigno because I Googled him thinking like, what did I see him in recently? Uh, By recently, I meant 10 years ago in I Love You, Man. Um, but this is very cool. So he did his in-person cameo is in the Ang Lee Hulk. He did a voice cameo in the incredible Hulk, the Edward Norton one. Okay. But he has done voice collaboration as the Hulk uncredited in the Avengers, Avengers Grimm, Avengers age of Ultron and Thor Ragnarok. Wow. So he's like the, the, the voice of the Hulk is incorporating Lou Ferrigno's actual. Yeah. Voice. Isn't that cool? That is super. Why is he uncredited? MCU has been doing that. God, that's he. That should be one of the things they mentioned in the opening credits. Like, and Lou Ferrigno voices the Hulk, kind of. And it's like, yeah, put that in there. That'd be cool. They're cool about everything else. I I Uh, feel that felt very heartwarming to learn that. I mean, if anybody's going to have a a take, I mean, maybe that's why that version of the Hulk just kind of resonated with me more because it was it was Ruffalo, but then it's also the voice is, uh, huh? Yeah, interesting. Well, you're feeling the Ferrigno through the voice. Yeah, I, I don't. There's once. I mean, I was, I was just sort of lukewarm and never, never really got the Hulk until Avengers. And it's like, man, this is what we should have had the entire time. It's just it really, it just really worked for me, and it continues to. Um, real quick, we talked about this on our last episode, but it's, you know, with some more hindsight, is there anything? Is there any one moment from Comic-Con 2019 that you're like, oh, man, that that really defined the event for me? Whether it be something you didn't even see, like a Marvel panel 
or something you did see. But like, is there anything with, with space? Is there something that really kind of crystallizes that this year for you? I, uh, to me, I, and I mentioned this in our episode, but it's, uh, it was those two panels, the, um, the one where I, I met, um, Whitney Gardner and Sarah Anderson and, uh, Thomas Lennon spoke in it, uh, which I thought was great. The art of storytelling, um, and the man eaters panel. So I'll, I'll talk more about the man eaters panel when we do our episode on that book. Um, those books, plural. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just that like personal interaction, you know, that's, yeah. That's yeah. cool. Cool. I just, yeah, I, I figured that would still be the case. I just, just think, you know, with the, with another week of uh, padding, I've realized just gotten back. Yeah. Yeah. Last and I, re- week. <laughs> I realized that over the week, that's what I've talked about. Like that, mm. you know, when, um, when I've sort of other friends have asked me for an update, I'm like, Oh yeah. And this was just so cool, you know, and, um, meeting these people like, uh, uh, we're, we're, we're not, you know, nobody knows panelism. We're not like widely known. But just mm-hmm. that idea that like now we do something and we're, we, you know, when you meet that creator, you're able to say, hey, I love your work so much that I talked about it on my podcast for an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of a cool thing. Um, Very cool. Perhaps well, we should be more ambitious in our outreach. <laughs> I think we, we can be. Well, speaking of books and creators, I have a book this week that I teased a little bit before SDCC started. And I thought it was an appropriate pick given uh, that event. It is one that I grabbed at my local, I have two local haunts um, I've mentioned before, Escape Velocity Comics, downtown Colorado Springs, and then Muse Comics, which is a little further east, but still, I mean, basically 15 minutes from my house, 20 minutes from my house. And both of them are are fantastic shops. In this particular case, I went to Escape Velocity and grabbed uh, the trade paperback of The Further Adventures of Nick Wilson. And this is written by Eddie... Gorodetsky and Mark and Draco and Draco Draco. Uh, hopefully one of those is correct. Artist Ian Churchill and Stephen Sadowski published by image. And this is a one-off trade paperback. So it's not volume one. It's just, it is just a graphic novel. Uh, hmm. First issue was released in January of 2018. Uh, if you want to go back and pick up single issues. Oh, but it, but it did come out as single issues. It's just, yeah, there they were, were five, only ever going to make five. Gotcha. Yeah. There were five original single issues, but yeah, this was, um, you know, they, he could continue it on if he wanted to, but it tells such a nice compact, um, you know, start and end of a story that it's, I, I would be sort of disappointed if they wanted to continue it. Well, so, you mentioned the, the store where you got this right off the bat, which leads me to the question, like, how did you hear of this? Did someone recommend it or did you stumble across it? Was it was it just one of those things they had, they put it in a sort of a featured spinner uh-huh. rack or, or end cap rack. And the cover is frankly really in, engaging. It's a cover of uh, what we come to find as Nick Wilson reading the very book you're holding. And so it's just, it's like an infinite regression. You see him holding the book on the cover. It's the same thing on the cover. It's the same thing. It just goes down and down. And then around him are racks of other comics that are all his adventures, like different covers from his individual adventures. Uh. Some of them are um, parodies of different things. Like there's clearly a Watchmen style, like Nick Wilson, you know, like his, uh, his, uh, costume has like a blood you know kind of splatter on it and they're you know nick wilson mm. and big yellow font on the left hand side um there's other other classic sort of covers that you'll see represented there but it paints this world of oh here's this guy that used to be important and now he's this schlub reading about his own adventures and i'm curious what that's about i thought it was more of a um like just an autobiography i didn't realize it was just a, a completely fictitious 
world about this dude. So let me jump in. Um, this is the back of the book summary, as we usually do. For a few years in his early 20s, Nick Wilson had superpowers and all the acclaim associated with them. When those powers vanished, so did his fame, sending him from national hero to late night punchline. Now Nick's on the verge of turning 30 and struggling to figure out who he is. Packing on an extra 20 pounds and peering at his life through a medical marijuana haze, he's trying to build himself a future. But all that's left is a man who hasn't been super for a very long time. Uh, and like I said, this collects uh, issues one through five. So this is a captivating book because, it, it, I mean, there's some big themes here. There's the theme of, you know, the quarter life crisis. Um, you know, somebody who was once, you know, once derived his value and self-worth from something now has to find a completely different way to do that because he lost that thing that made him special. Um, you know, it's also very reminiscent of the, uh, you know, the, the, a lot of times throughout the story, I, I was I was reminded of the high school quarterback, you know, who right. in high school or the college quarterback, but maybe the high school quarterback's more apropos. You know, that that guy who's, uh, you know, sort of beloved in his town for doing this this thing, but then once high school is over and that's all over, that's all done, it's just constantly, you know, you get a little fatter, you start drinking more booze, you're, you lose your step, you sort of, you're not really good at anything else. And then the, you're kind of just lost in this haze. For, for the the peaked too early. Uh, <laughs> yes. You know, yes. Problem. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, it also, hark you know, another big theme that res resonates with me is that everyone changes throughout life. So what you were in your 20s is not necessarily what you are in your 30s and 40s and so forth. And this idea of change is constant and enemies become friends, friends become distant. Um, the, you know, the life that you sort of thought you had when everything was going your way was never, it was always ephemeral. It was never going to be consistent. It was never going to last. So yeah. I love it when books take that on because it's like, oh, it helps people work through that, gives you another perspective of how you can work through that. And mainly just reminds you that, hey, this is always going to happen. You know, the good times, you know, always be looking for the next, you know, what, whatever the next good times are. Cause what you're living in now is, is, has got an expiration date on it. Well, and what a cool like lens to look at that through the, I mean, it's so funny to think of superhero powers that sort of peak and then fade. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I've, you know, we've seen a lot of stories about like the, you know, where they humanize the superheroes and they're a little bit older and a little slower, you know, like Watchmen especially, but um, that that just sounds so funny to to say he lost his powers <laughs> in his twenties. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. <laughs> that is really like the high school quarterback, you know, who never went pro kind of thing. And and he looks just like that too. And they never explain how he lost his powers or even oh. how he got his powers. That's kind of that's kind of left uh, vague, which I appreciate because um, the book is not about that. It's like oh no, that happened. And they they do some flashbacks throughout the book, but not a lot. You know, hmm. most of it is present day and most of it, it's kind of, it, it kind of had a bond sort of feel to it where it's just a lot of panels of people talking, um, you know, very similar to a book I reviewed uh, previously, Alex and Ada, there's a, there's a heightened um, energy to it. There's definitely sort of a superhero panache that you get um, in the, in the, uh, you know, in the, um, the way characters, their, their body positions, the way they react to things. There's and a... When you say that about the single, uh, I, I don't know exactly how you just phrased it, but but you're talking about like where it's just a single head in dialogue. That's the panel, and then the next panel is another single head. That's I mean, there's in well, that no conversation. Not, no, not necessarily. There's just I mean, 
or it's nothing, just the two? <laughs> there's very little of him flying around in a costume. It's all like gotcha. him and yeah, his yeah. former girlfriend in a grocery store, just shopping and talking. Oh, okay. And him in an office building having a meeting about something, and then him at his in a bar talking and drinking, and him at yeah. You know, it's just like it's a lot of just people talking and. I mean, the whole thing's kind of like a high school reunion as a graphic novel because he interacts with a lot of his former... You're you're introduced to a lot of the characters through his eye, but in kind of these sort of, like, I haven't seen you in a while kind of of moments. And then it all kind of culminates. Um, Let me jump into the character bios, though, to give you you a sense of of our cast of characters. Um, There's Nick Wilson, of course. Earth's, and I'm just going to read sort of the description uh, from Wikipedia. Earth's only superhero who lost his powers. The series starts off with him acting as a Nick Wilson impersonator at children's birthday parties, which is really funny because Tim pretending to be his former self. Nobody believes that this guy was once Nick Wilson. Much um, like Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters 2. Dude, it's exactly the. I mean, <laughs> I couldn't, I could not shake off that reference. I'm like, wow, that he must, it, it, that must have been an intentional little like shout out to Ghost. That's Street. really funny because I only just recently rewatched that and was like, I, t- I totally forgot about that moment. And, <laughs> Where he's, and he's it's Winston and Ray way. like running up. You think they're on a mission and then nope. Well, and it's played the same way, right? Where it's just like, you know, you can just see how far this guy's fallen from yeah. the, the glory days, much like the Ghostbusters, where you're like, man all these kids are just like giving them, give them shit and like yelling he man. And it's, it's hilarious. <laughs> There's Jane Nick's old girlfriend from the superhero days. Um, she has very intentionally become a little chubby and a little boring and just kind of plain. And she was, you know, in, in the glory days, she was the hot, uh, you know, like sexy girlfriend to the superhero, like the damsel in distress that every, you know, the America's sweetheart, all this stuff. And much like Nick, like she couldn't live up to that long-term nor did she want to. So she just kind of went a different direction. Um, no, she's no longer his girlfriend. No, no. When, okay. when they meet up again, she's kind of moved on and she's his gotcha. friend. She's really like almost like a Jerry and Elaine Seinfeld kind of a situation where like, Hey, we dated once, but we're better friends. And, um, you know, he kind of, he tries to desperately flirt with her again. She's like, Oh, Nick, you know, we're, those days are behind us. Like this, you, know, you need to find somebody more your, your speed. Um, there's Clive Morgenfeld who is, who was Nick Wilson's arch nemesis. Um, he's, a very much a lot like a black king uh, kingpin um you know they sort of draw him the same way with the cigar and like the big the big uh um stature um you know and everything is exaggerated in terms of what he wants and how he talks and everything he the- wants to team up with nick to create a nick wilson experience museum so that's why he comes back out of the woodwork is to get nick to sign off on the licensing and then literally be the the mascot for this you know, this downtown museum, much like you'd see in Washington, D.C. with the, the spy museum or something. Is he still a bad guy? <laughs> he's, a um, I mean, no, he's still just a he's just still just a very successful businessman. And mm. it's almost like the, the you know, the public or the media kind of just treats him like, oh, you, we remember when you were that colorful character. And now you're just a regular, you know, like member mm. of society. And he's still kind of, oh, yeah. everybody kind of plays off that time as like, oh, wasn't that fun? You know, like nothing, nothing truly terrible must have happened. Although right. ref- something does kind of happen. That's very interesting. I'll get into it in a second. Well, now, one other question is, was Nick Wilson's superhero name Nick Wilson? Uh, you know what? I totally, I think yes. Because I, I'm just wondering, like, how is there a Nick Wilson experience museum? Like, no, it's like you're having right. a Clark Kent experience, you know? It's definitely, no, no. Everybody knows that's who he is because he's got an NW on his on his costume. Uh, and uh, yeah, no, it's definitely, everybody everybody knows who 
he like his secret identity i don't think was very secret and everybody knows who he right. is that he's such a schlub now yeah nobody no one... believes or you know people who know him know this but like the public at large is like wait you were nick wilson wow it was just kind of like what happened yeah yeah and it's not an especially uh unique name where you might yeah yeah now are there other superheroes in this universe and do they um, also go by their <laughs> given well, names let me finish two more characters this oh yeah yeah you... sorry Speaking of unique names, there's Xavier Morganfield, who is Clive Morganfield's son, um, uh, and not really interested in the family business. It's interesting. He becomes more of a sort of a buddy to Nick Wilson, um, given the fact that he couldn't live under his father's shadow or his pressure. And then there's another guy named Daryl Foster, who was Nick's former sidekick. His character name was called Jumpin' Jack. And now he's a <laughs> protege. Yeah, now he's a protege to Clive Morganfield. So like mm. Clive's son is kind of a, a, a loser in Clive's eyes. So Daryl Foster kind of steps in and fills that role, which is interesting because he was Nick Wilson's sidekick. Now he's this really cranky kind of middle-aged dude, not really interested in reliving the glory days at all. He's mm. very by the book. He does not respect or appreciate Nick's um, just general laziness and, and mm. attitude. It's an interest. It's it's a really interesting dynamic now. We're like the you know the son of the villain becomes the friend of the hero, and the former psychic becomes the you know the protege of the villain. It's just so a, is is Xavier in that sense sort of like the Scott Evil of this world? Yes. Ooh. Yes. Excellent. <laughs> excellent. Yeah. Uh, yes. Now, before Scott Evil turns truly evil, he is very much that. But, but is is Xavier like competent, just not in the family business, or or like not 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 competent in any way well he's competent he's just um he does not care like right. you know he, he's not, he doesn't have attention to detail like oh uh, okay his father daryl does um you know daryl kind of becomes the son that clive always wished xavier would be also they play with this very very uh, in a very classy way but xavier is gay and so there's always you know i think his father it might be a little homophobic there's there's mm. a lot of interesting subtext there that they don't you know they don't shine a giant honking light on, but it's it's it really colors the the um the 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 really you know the human beings behind each of these names, which right. is interesting. Um, I mentioned earlier that they're nothing. You know they they kind of treat the the four to five years of of uh, the Nick Wilson superhero world with with a lot of kind of levity and like oh that was you know what a what a fantastical time in our our history where that was the case you know but there was one event that happened that we the readers get to see that was very tragic. It's a stand uh, in issue number four. Most of the issue deals with Nick confronting a man he had once saved. I don't want to spoil the what happens, but uh, a guy he once saved approaches him in a bar, and you realize that Nick saving him may not have gone as well as we would have wanted, or that Nick even realized. Huh. And there's a there's a really cool twist with that character and that storyline that gives Nick kind of a feeling of oh wow maybe. Wow, maybe saving people and and hurting people is is a lot harder than I thought it was at that at that point in time. Hmm. Um, so I would definitely, if you're, and, and the way they draw that particular issue, um, th because they're referencing so many different timelines, the art does correspond beautifully to, um, you know, how people are remembering things and how Nick is having this conversation with this this guy. The art is very different in that issue compared to every other issue, and I think that's very intentional. Yeah. So I is loved, that, loved that. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, I was going to go back to my question, like about the universe. Like, do you get uh, the impression that there are other super 
heroes there? Did someone take over oh, for him? No, I mean this. He's the only guy. There's not a. There's not like a Justice League or any kind right. of other thing. This was a fluke situation. Um, you know, this guy just kind of got powers one day. Again, we don't really know why or how. And uh, his usual arch nemesis was this, you know, billionaire yeah. gangster businessman. Um, but that's about it. No, it's it's, and I think the novelty of it is very clear throughout the yeah. book. That America, it's not like America's turned over all of its sovereignty and like the hope of of, of safety to you know this guy. He just was kind of he's just like a colorful character. Like, oh man, it's Nick Wilson. Right. There he is. He's gonna save a cat or you know stop a building from tipping over. But it's not like you know it's not like he's he's dealing with the world ending uh, event or something. Would you do you get the feeling that like um, I mean, because you said there it, we you never learned the origin of his powers nor why they went away. Um, yeah, I'm just curious about like how they play that. Like, is it a, a lot about his, you know, do they play up how he feels about the loss of his powers or like, is yeah. that what's made him an aimless kind of 30 oh, yeah. something? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's a huge part. Like his sort of PTSD is, uh, you know, just, and just again, trying to figure out like, where does he derive his value? Because yeah. he, this much like a high school quarterback, once you sort of achieve that that title or that role, you're kind of set. You don't really have to try. It's just like you've got this is your title. This is how everybody thinks about you. And you can kind of just coast on that until you can't. And he very much has a similar similar arc. There actually is a another issue where he goes to his high school reunion. And uh, I think it's his tenure, in fact. <laughs> and he uh, there I, one of the best things about this graphic novel is that the um, the notes at the end are all highly specific to that issue, and they're really robust. Like they're almost you can almost take the notes to the reader and make your own little like single issue that's just a really nice compendium. For example, at the end of issue one or two, one I believe he um, the uh, the author goes and like talks about all the music that inspired that issue, and he goes mm. on for a while. It's like he talks about the Grateful Dead, he talks about the Memphis Jug Band, um, he talks about uh, he gives like a bunch of different uh, albums to listen to that kind of like help you define that, like Mississippi by Bob Dylan, um, different stuff. And another issue, the uh, the reunion issue, he talks about the nature of cliche and other subjects, and he goes into explaining like the talent show people, the camping show, two dates on the prom, like he you know the kinds of people you see at a reunion and why. Um, so really, really kind of dives into it much like Alan Moore writes a lot of supplemental material, but that's mm -hmm. less commentary and more sort of context to the world he's building. This is, feels a lot like that, but it's all about, Hey, this is, this was my mind uh, where, where my mind was in writing this. Yeah. And these are the kinds of things I was taking in, which man, I love that, especially yeah. with a good nuanced graphic novel. That's like this. I love that that artist commentary, you know, it's almost yeah. like when you go to a museum, you all, you kind of want the, uh, the little, the little uh, plaque next to each piece to be really, really robust. And sometimes it is, and sometimes it is not. Yeah. And this is almost like that where it's like, Hey, now you've, you've seen the work now really, really dive into the the meat behind it. Well, it also reminds me of like, um, wasn't it gunning for hits where they made a playlist for each yeah. issue? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like that, that kind of like, here's a, here's an experience related to the comic book, but, taking you out of the comic book world. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, I was going to ask, so given that this started publishing in 2018, is it rooted in like contemporary American society and culture? And is that, is, is that at all like what's going on with Nick? Um, kind of, I mean, they have, they have, you know, whatever the, the, the iPhone was at that time right, is, okay. is what the iPhone is in here, but 
it's you know they're not talking about Trump or anything like that. It's not. It's not. It, it's probably meant to be a little timeless. In yeah. that you could, this could be a, a story as relevant in the '80s as it is now. Right. Um, it's not. In it, it's not a uh, an allegory for like American power diminishing or something. Yeah. Like that. No, 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 like, no. No. Yeah. No. 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 This is highly, highly personal and individual. This is a guy having to kind of figure out what's he going to be when he grows up, and. <laughs> You know, all these people kind of pulling him, not pulling almost too extreme of a word, all these people subtly influencing him one way or the other, you know, Jane trying to give him, build him, help him build confidence back up again and kind of help him figure out there's, you know, one of the early storylines is he meets this girl in a bar and he's kind of trying to figure out where she is or who she is. And then at the very end, you get some closure around that because he kind of, he kind of had a crush on her, but he didn't know, you know, he's so, he's so unconfident about everything that it was, he couldn't really do much. Um, you know, he just, he walks around like Jeffrey Lebowski. He's got cargo yeah. pants on a hoodie, you know, fat man t-shirt. And he's just kind of that. Imagine if that happened to Superman. Imagine if that happened to yeah. you know any of these guys, it's like, wow, what do I do? And he, it, you know, it wasn't like he had a, a successful side career, like he's Bruce Wayne. So he'll be okay. You know, it's like, no, he, right. this is literally all he had. And now it's gone. Yeah. I'm um, picturing like if you watched, uh, guardians of the galaxy, and then Parks and Rec, and your impression was that Star Lord, <laughs> yes, <laughs> Star Lord, oh, like yes. went from this muscly hero to like this kind of schlubby, like, you know. Oh man, like he got knocked in the head, so he's a little simple now, you know. Yeah, and so then he, he just lives in a pit. <laughs> oh man, yes, yes, <laughs> holy crap! That talk about an experience. Imagine Star Lord falls like you. You can almost just write like a little scene, like he gets like Gamora. After Endgame, you know, like the, oh, the yeah. old resurrected Gamora, like gets him, you know, knocks him off the ship or kicks him out of the ship, and then they fly off, and he's just he has amnesia. He's like, "Where am I? I'm in Indiana." Okay, yeah, exactly. You know, if you also like, you know, you mentioned Ghostbusters before, or rather, Ghostbusters two, very specifically. But if you also <laughs> like Galaxy Quest or The Incredibles, I'll even throw Watchmen in because it just you know that deconstruction of the superhero always comes back and is always satisfying. I would even you had mentioned Hitchcock. Um, yeah. Excellent. It, or no, is it Hancock? Hancock. Hancock. Right. 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 Sorry. Sorry. Will Smith Different movie. Will Smith movies. Oh my God! What Hitch a great reference. No, I yeah, I always forget that that existed and that it was a superhero movie because it was yeah. so subtle and underplayed. Man, I would say Hancock and um, Galaxy Quest kind of combined are yeah. are exactly this tone because you've got from the Galaxy Quest angle, you've got this kind of washed up guy trying to sort of relive you know have, have relive his glory days in some to some degree you know maybe the, the costume is a little tighter now or things don't quite aren't, aren't quite as bright and shiny as they used to be but the hancock storyline is even more apropos because here's this guy who had just kind of given up on this thing in the case of hancock he still has his powers but he's yeah highly dysfunctional um yeah. similar no, similar kind of vibe here isn't the is the nick wilson story like uh you know, is it played for laughs or is it really played for that like pathos? Because H- Hancock's like pretty tough. Like it's not yeah. a funny movie. Yeah, um, there's definitely funny moments in this, but it's it is just a good all around. I mean, there's some. I mean, there's that one issue, that issue four, where that former guy confronts yeah. him, gets a little a little heavy. Um, but it's I mean, it's just a delightfully paced book. You get all the you know, you, there's drama, there's some, there's comedy, there's there's just good, wonderful, slow. You know, a lot of two-person scenes, a lot of just getting heady and letting the conversation just evolve, which is so nice. Because I mean, hell, I've been reading a couple books lately that are just, you know, 
high speed to the very end. So it's kind of nice just to sit and just relax. Yeah. And this, yeah, this would be a great um, early morning or like late night read. If you want to bust out some, some cognac or some, <laughs> some bourbon and just <laughs> read some slow, you know, some slow, uh, good deliberate storytelling. I, I think I'd have this on there. I'm just well, shocked that I never even knew it came out right. Yeah. January of last year, we're doing this in 2019. This was a year ago, January. I didn't even see issue one through five ever. So that yeah. when this popped out as a graphic novel, and it's kind of one of those classic image um, conundrums of, Oh, this should have just been a trade paperback from day, be- you know, from the beginning. Yeah. It's not really something where I could wait a month in between each issue. I kind of, I just don't know why they don't just go for it and just publish it that mm. way. I'd hate to think that the trade was dependent on the single issues because I too, like I go to the image section, you know, every time I'm at the comic book store and I never saw this. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, that so a good tie into that is um, when you, when you've got that cognac and you're, you're in your um, lounge slippers, um, did you read this digitally <laughs> or in print? <laughs> oh, uh, since I was at uh, Escape Velocity, I bought the print trade paperback. I think this is the uh, one thing I haven't really talked a lot about is the art. Um, I mentioned uh, issue four a little bit, but the art is very much kind of a, a classic throwback. It feels very 80s, um, you know, the kind of a little desaturated. Uh, again, it kind of has a Bon Destiné sort of French kind of feel to it a little bit, but definitely something where that you want you want a tangible like you want to see the colors printed. Um, you want right. to see it, like the actual ink out. I don't know if I'd have the same relationship with it digitally, which, you know, if you listen to past episodes, sometimes I go the other way. I'm like, no, 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 this has to be digital. In this yeah. case, I'd say, no, you will appreciate it more. It's, it is a warm, you, it's a warm tactile experience. And I think it, digital would probably get in the way of that. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of scrolling through the art now. And, uh, I will, well, I will say this, the covers are are just immaculate. I posted yeah. uh, one of them uh, right before Comic Con, and the whole book is not like that. The covers are very uh, much standalone. The rest of the art is is completely fine, but those covers are just the level of detail and and the color composition. Just they're amazing. So in that sense, I can see why they would do single issues because just the collectability of this is yeah. is huge. Um, but I just it's get them all at the same. If you're going to get single issues, buy them all at once. Don't, don't henpeck your way through this. Yeah. It's definitely like a novel meant to be read, not an arc of a longer story or something. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Um, once again, you have, uh, <laughs> brought an interesting book that I was totally unaware of. Well, and, and let's give credit to escape velocity for a stalking yeah. it and B highlighting it in such a way that I, it drew my attention. I'm like, well, this is cool. And then, you know, when I brought it up, they're like, Oh yes, Nick Wilson, like they, they were all familiar with it. Yeah. So I was like, okay, well this, if, and that's a smart, smart group over there. So I would imagine if they all knew it and liked it, that it was definitely something to, to pick up, but it just goes back to that. You know, we were talking before we were recording there there's a lot to be said for comiXology and the ability to quickly consume stuff digitally, but I, it is a, it'll be a long while before comiXology gets as good at recommending as some of the local shops that you and I go to um, just the, their quality and their, their knowledge of both their customers, but also their inventory and their ability to kind of match you to a, a pick that you may not have even heard of um, yeah. even, even unintentionally in this case, like, Hey, you know, this, maybe you'll like this. And it's like, I absolutely did Th- that. The magic of that. I still chase every time yeah. I go to a comic shop. Uh, fortunately I had a really nice uh, run of it this weekend where I just 
man, if, yeah. I'll, just, I'll give a quick teaser. If you're not reading books by Ahoy, which is an, uh, a new indie publisher, man, this may be my new image. They are doing some <laughs> really great work right now. And I just had, again, that spirit of like, holy crap, I never knew this existed. And this might be my new favorite thing. That that's like a drug that I chase every time I walk into that shop. Yeah. And sometimes you don't get it. It's a little disappointing, but a lot of times you do. And that's kind of, you know, I, I, hopefully this podcast acts uh, in a similar capacity for, for listeners. Yeah, I, for sure. And, and yeah, what you and I were discussing before we started recording was, was my, uh, I don't know, sort of a, what do you call it, regret lament or something that I had not, you know, sort of didn't, didn't know, uh, a clerk at a comic book store enough to ask for a recommendation, but they are mm-hmm. the librarians of the comic shop, you know, and it's They're the not... librarians and the DJs. Yeah. And you know what, as you were saying this, cause you and I talked about this uh, a lot more before we focused on zeroed in on, you know, our comic book focus for this show. Uh, we used to talk more about tech and, and things like that and the suggestion engines and curation and all that kind of stuff. And what's occurring to me is that, uh, it is much harder than like movies or even music or something to say, if you like this, you might like this because comic readers, we jump all across genres, mm-hmm. you know, and we'll jump into genres that we didn't even know we would like because you don't have to be a genre fan to be like my genre is comics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's not mm-hmm. vampires or something where you're going to run out of suggestions really quickly. It's like, no, I just, the art and the, and the, the, uh, interesting way of telling stories sequentially that way, you know, that's what gets me. So, you know, you said, um, you said librarians and I said DJs, but really, I mean, we've said this before, uh, the best comic shop uh, sort of clerks or cur- or, or owners are basically sommeliers. Yeah. They, yeah, exactly. yeah, they go, what are you interested in eating tonight? I have the perfect wine to go with that meal because you may be interested in hamburgers. You may be interested in like the best cooked fish, you know, a thousand dollars can buy. And there will be a wine pairing that works perfectly for that. And I think that especially we've, I mean, we've talked about this to death, but one of the, my favorite aspects of this medium is that it allows for so much variety yeah. where I think maybe only music is the, the only thing I could, I could see. And even the music, you get a little bit, I, I mean, a lot of, at least for me um, and people, I sort of uh, people, I, I, I talk music with, you get a little, you even still get a little insular there where you're like, yeah, these, these three pockets are usually where I find my stuff. Whereas right. in comics, it's like, man, give me something I've never even thought about yeah. before. And yeah, it's like, I, here you go. I love that metaphor of the sommelier. That's, that's totally great. Yeah. Yeah. Which we, you know, we, we try to be that here too on, on panelism. Yeah. And you can Todd find likes a lot of fast food. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what? There's nothing wrong with that. As long as you have a good, a good, Oh, by the way, I'm, I'm so glad you mentioned this. I was going to say, as long as you find a good balanced meal uh, somewhere in there, I was watching with my wife, <laughs> old cereal commercials from the eighties on YouTube. Oh my God. And like, cause we're just like, man, weren't cereals just crazy. Like everything from yeah. and obviously the, the standards like Frankenberry and count chocolate, but there are some crazy cereals based on like, short like like the the gremlins cereal yeah and you know smurf berry cereal was there for a little while flintstone uh, obviously um fruity pebbles has been there forever but for, for every fruity pebbles there's like a thousand cereals based on tv shows or properties that just failed after a year and they were all just god awful but we were watching these commercials and every single one of them and i completely forgot about this at the very end of the commercial says part of a balanced breakfast yeah or <laughs> part of a nutritious breakfast and I'm like, wow, what a 
what a what an insidious sort of like tag at the end of every commercial where it's like here's here is literally pure processed sugar part of a balanced breakfast and you know kids hear that and they're like well surely this is good like it just yeah. it, you don't you just sort of learn not to question it i'm well, just, and as know, a, what a brilliant marketing strategy although again insidious terrible and it, well and as an adult hearing that all i can think of is you know some regulatory agency said you you can't make it sound like this is all they have for breakfast so i hear part of as an adult and i'm like yeah what they're saying is you need to have a good breakfast and then have a little cereal yeah yeah <laughs> but i'm with you when i was a kid i was like no it's part of a balanced breakfast i'm gonna have it you know as long as i have it. orange juice and maybe like you know a piece of toast i'll be okay <laughs> like, yeah this can i'm fine be... <laughs> i don't know why i run out of energy at 10 30. <laughs> <laughs> oh my no i had that... part of a balanced breakfast <laughs> That's when schools are like, our kids are running out of energy at 1030. Let's bring in pop machines so that they can just keep going throughout the day. And that's <laughs> essentially what my school did. And man, that was I love that Jerry Seinfeld has a bit about a uh, uh, cookie crisp. And he's like, how did they think they could get away with this? It's like <laughs> literally chocolate chip cookies that you pour yeah. milk on. Like who, what parent fell for that for their kids? Oh man, there was one we were looking at that was almost worse than Cookie Crisp. It was so. F oh no, it was uh, it was like a Dunkin' Donut cereal, ah. and it was actual <laughs> oh like God. like little hardened dunk like chocolate and glaze. And they're like, choose a flavor: chocolate, vanilla, or glaze. And then literally oh right after that God. part of your balanced breakfast, I'm like, yeah, oh Christ, part of. Oh, oh well, I will say what you were about to say before we digressed into serial talk, which is uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, look for panelism on your podcast platform of choice. We should be on all of them. And if we're not, please let us know. The best way to let us know that is to follow us on Instagram at panelism.inc, I-N-K. Um, and we're also on the web at panelism.inc, where you will find uh, links to subscribe to us and old episodes and all that kind of stuff. And look for my new show, Serial Talk, starting on the Panelism Network in uh, <laughs> August of 2020. We're, we're working on it now. I was going to joke that it's just called Serial, but it's spelled <laughs> like with a C. But then I realized, like, I bet someone's already done that. Oh, and hopefully it's a parody of the Serial. Of Serial, yeah, yeah.